0: My son-in-law is an attorney. He's an attorney for the United States Air Force, and uh, he has an attorney's personality and uh, and giftedness. I think he was born an attorney. He came out with a little bow tie, um, and uh, he's just he's just wired to be a, a researcher and an investigator, and uh, and uh, that actually makes for very int- interesting conversations. But you know, often I will come in with some sort of historical illustration or some story. And one of the things my son-in-law will politely do, and he doesn't do it in any kind of an arrogant way or anything like that, but he will often make this comment, uh, uh, what's your source on that? Uh, Where'd you get that information from? Uh, He wants to know how valid is the comment that I just made. And and sometimes that can be a bit of a challenge to remember that source. But the source is important. Uh, Matter of fact, the statement that you make is only as good as is the source and uh, this is a, a principle that we need to understand and uh, uh, one that validates Holy Scripture for us. You can't rightly call yourself a Christian if you do not believe the Bible. And uh, so we, uh, one of the emphases we're going to see today uh, in the Gospel of Luke is the importance of the source and of the, the, the determined rigor which the, uh, Luke uh, uh, placed upon himself in order to produce this marvelous gospel, but he wasn't the first that was devoted to the kind of research that is required for good historical content. Uh, The histories by Polybius was the universally uh, recognized history of the Roman Republic. Polybius wrote from around uh, um, 264 to 146 BC, and he wrote of the eyewitness accounts of the sack of Carthage and of Corinth, and, uh, or the his, other historical uh, things that occurred during the, uh, Medi- in the Mediterranean world during the Roman uh, rule. He was actually a Greek, but it was his determination to write, if possible, only uh, information based on true eyewitness accounts, and to make sure that the geographic location, the timing of things, the numbers of things were absolutely accurate. It is said of Polybius, he is considered by some to be the forefather of scholarly painstaking historical research in a modern scientific sense. His work sets forth the course of history's occurrences with clearness, penetration, sound judgment, and among the circumstances affecting the outcomes. Uh, Many modern historians are impressed with the validity of the research of Polythemus. Well, Luke took a page out of his book and devoted himself to a clear and accurate historical account. And one reason why is he wants you to be able to have faith in the things that are written in the gospel of Luke. And that is, of course, my ambition today as we begin this wonderful journey that will probably take us two or three years to go through the gospel of Luke. But we're going to begin by introducing the book itself. And I want to emphasize the fact that you ought to have confidence in God's word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do turn to you. and We thank you for the gift of Holy Scripture. Lord, while nature shouts of your joy, it does not tell us that Jesus Christ died for our sins. We need your word for that. And we thank you, God, for working through faithful prophets and apostles in all the generations in the past that bring us this word. And we thank you, God, that if you preserved it, so many, probably have, so many people have tried to destroy it, and yet we have it here intact, and even in our own language, and we adore it. Lord, if you were to take our health away from us, our family away from us, everything that we love away from us, please do so, but never take your word away from us, for it is life. It is peace. I pray, God, that you would bolster our confidence in your holy word today and our love for you as a result. In Christ's name, amen. All right, please turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and we're looking, of course, in chapter 1, and we're just going to look at the opening section here, verses 1 through 4. I'm using the uh, English Standard Version of the Bible. God says, Luke writes, In so much as I have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So that's my desire, is that you will have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. As Peter tells us in Second Peter Uh, 1, 10, that you may make your calling and election sure. And as we look at this uh, text, I'm going to actually use partly uh, Philip Ryken's outline here. You're going to see that Luke wrote an historically accurate, verse 1, carefully researched, verses 2 through 3a, and well-organized 3b account of the life of Jesus. And I would add a fourth point, a life-changing account of the life of Jesus. You might find your home group help insert from benefit to follow along with me as we go through this text. But first of all, it's historically accurate. Now, one of the interesting things about Luke is this this first four verses are actually one sentence, but he writes it in the classical Greek, the Greek of scholarship. The rest of the book is written in Koinonia Greek, just like the rest of the New Testament, but he begins here with a scholarly approach here, and he's introducing this, uh, this book in this one long sentence, in a sense, as, as, a, as a Greek literary classic would be introduced, uh, as so many of the, the, the classics of... Uh, the Greeks uh, were written. Herodotus wrote in the, this kind of manner. Uh, Theodices, uh Polythevis, as I already mentioned, and then Josephus all started off like this. But you can kind of tell that without even me telling you that, because it starts off with in so much. Have you ever started a conversation with in so much? And that's, that is scholarly language, isn't it? In So, much. so he begins here with insomuch, and then, and then he goes on to explain, kind of by way of introduction, what it is that he's doing. Now, it's interesting, Glenn, uh, Luke, uh, Luke was a scholar, and he had read many of the ancient accounts of histories before. Uh, we even have a, uh, an account uh, uh, of, the, of the opening of the Peloponnesian Wars by Theodosius uh, that says this, and, and, it, and it sounds very much like what uh, Lucas is saying here. But as to the facts of the occurrences of the war, I have thought it my duty to give them, not as ascertained from any chance informant, nor as seemed to be probable, but only after investigating with the greatest possible accuracy each detail in the case of both the events in which I myself participated and those regarding which I got my information from others. And to endeavor to discover these facts was a laborious task, laborious indeed. I mean, Luke probably spent years interviewing people, years talking to some of the people that actually saw and heard the words of Jesus, that spent time with him, that saw him die on the cross, saw him raise, saw him ascend, and that was given the great commission at the end Of his ministry. So he goes back to these original sources. He has undertaken to compile a narrative. Now, many people have done this before. Luke probably had the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark. And, and you can tell that because his is a synoptic gospel. They're very similar, those three gospels together. John is a little bit different, written uh, somewhat later. But he probably had those accounts. He probably also knew Mark. He traveled with Mark. We know that according to the book of Acts. And he probably also knew Matthew because he probably spent time with Paul there as he was imprisoned in, uh, in Judea during that time. And he's, but he makes a comment here that many people have written accounts and some of those are just lost to us. The Holy Spirit did not choose to inspire the ones that were lost to us. He chose to inspire the ones that we have and that are given to us uh, in our modern Bible. And we're blessed to have four different gospel accounts that are parallel and complement each other, but also give a different perspective based on the author's experience and who he talked to and this kind of thing. But Luke is pretty amazing. I mean, it's the longest book in the New Testament. It's the longest of the four gospels. And taken with the book of Acts, the, uh, the, the book that comes after uh, the gospel of Luke, uh, he accounts for about a fourth of the New Testament. So he talks about all these things that were accomplished among us. All of the, what, a, what an understatement that is, right? All these things that were accomplished among us. Like the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the healings of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the walking of the water of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. All these things are kind of grouped together in that in his introduction. And then he says these were carefully researched in verses 2 through uh, uh, 3a. He says, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses, uh, he himself was not an eyewitness, and he recognizes that, and he's basically stating that. I was not an eyewitness of these things, but I interviewed the eyewitnesses and listened to their accounts and then checked them once with, uh, with each other in many ways. So his eyewitnesses that he's talked to were probably Peter, probably John probably knew a lot of those apostles himself here. Uh, and again, he, he had the accounts of Mark uh, and, uh, and he probably knew some of the other 12 as, as well. Uh, and he said, and he calls them ministers of the word that were delivered to us. Luke became converted under the ministry of perhaps some of these apostles. He wasn't one of the original. He wasn't uh, there. He may not have even been in Judea. Luke is a Greek. He's got a Greek uh, first name, and he writes in the classical style to begin with. Uh, We know that he was a Gentile, and that's one of the beautiful things about his gospel. His gospel is written specifically to, to, to draw light to the grace that God gave to the outsiders, to those who were not part of the covenant community of the Jews, to the Gentiles, but also to women, to children, to the sick Uh, to to those who were not considered part of the normal part of society. He seems to have a passion on this. And that's why we've chosen as our theme for for our banner up here, for the Gospel of Luke, a theme that comes to us from Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The Gentiles were excluded from all the truths that came to us from Holy Scripture. But with the coming of Jesus Christ, the gospel went out into all the world. And those of us who have, which is most of us, who are of Gentile stock can be grateful for this passion that Luke had uh, for the Gentiles. And he closes with Luke chapter 24. He says this, that that part of the great commission given by Jesus at the repentance of forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Luke, again, is a Greek. He is probably from Antioch, according to church tradition. And he's mentioned throughout Scripture. Paul uh, described him as the beloved physician, so he's a doctor uh, in Colossians chapter 4. In 2 Timothy and Philemon, uh, Philemon Paul calls him a fellow worker. Uh, and, uh, and one of the things we understand, that, that while Luke's name is not actually given to either Luke or Acts... Church tradition has always held that Luke was the author of it, and one of the ways we know that is because in Acts, around chapter 16, he starts using the, the first person plural uh, when describing what's happening. For instance, he said, we sailed from Philippi under the days of unleavened bread, and five days we came then to Troas, and then we stayed there for seven days. He was a companion of the apostle Paul he hung out with the apostle Paul for years, and then he chronicled a lot of what it is that happened to Paul in the book of Acts and uh, what it is that Paul taught. Uh, so Paul, uh, Luke was even with Paul at the very end. Uh, Rome had this uh, the Merrimine prison, and it was actually an old cistern, a hole in the ground that used to collect water. And and any uh, prisoner that was going to be condemned to death and was waiting for his execution would be stuck in this hole before he would go and be beheaded or crucified or however they decided they were going to uh, execute him based on his citizenship status. But there in the maritime prison was uh, uh, languished the apostle Paul. And Paul writes in his last will and testament to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Make every effort to come to me for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Luke was there with him to the very end, Uh, a faithful physician at the side of the apostle whom he loved. This is the longest book in the New Testament, and that's why it's going to take us a few years some of the, uh, the babies right now may be getting into kindergarten by the time we get to chapter 24. But we don't mind that, do we? We like to take our time through these things. But he says here, having followed all things closely for some time together, he had a physician's gift of observation, of investigation, of diagnosis, and he completed painstaking research. And one of the things I want to remind you of constantly is if there is a virtue that is revered in Christianity, it is truth. And it is truth telling. Someone doesn't go out that is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and truth telling and write a bunch of fables. So when Luke tells you that Jesus walked on water, Jesus really did walk on water. When he heals the the widow's son at Nain, he really healed that widow's son. It was dead. He was dead. He resurrected him. Uh, When he feeds the 5,000, he really did produce all of that food. When he died for your sins, he really did die for your sins. When he rose from the dead, he really did rise from the dead. And now he's ascended and sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Folks, that is historical truth. And you can, you can base the hope of eternal salvation in those truths. We need to have confidence in Luke. And the power of the Holy Spirit that inspired him to write these things. It's also well organized. He says to write an orderly account for you. He was very careful about this. And you see this throughout uh, the gospel. And notice then when he's about to get into the, 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 the birth narrative. And we've timed the teaching of Luke by God's grace to, to bring us up into Advent season. But in Luke 2, he says here, that, that talking about the, um, the registration that occurred, this was the first registration when Quinerius was governor of Syria. He took the events of Scripture and, and, he, and, he, and he put them and he associated them with actual political events and people who were ruling at the time so that you could go back and you could understand that these principles are truth. You know, for, for decades, people, people said, oh, we don't know that Pontius Pilate ever actually ruled over Judea. Well, it's interesting, and, and some of us have actually seen there is a giant in Caesarea, there's a giant rock that talks about Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea. You know, archaeological discoveries consistently affirm what Luke and others have written to us. And he writes this too, most excellent Theophilus. The name Theophilus means lover of God or beloved of God. That needs to be the name of the next baby born in our church we can call him Theo if you want, <laughs> Theophilus, and he calls him most excellent. Some people think he's just writing in general to the church. He is writing probably specifically to a man named Theophilus, but it was meant to be read generally because he calls him most excellent. That suggests he's a, he's a, a Roman official. That same title was used of uh, Felix in Acts chapter 23, who was a Roman official. And again, this, this gives you even a clue again, uh, to Luke's motivation in writing this gospel. Folks, I just, you know, we are outsiders. We are sinners. We are people that, that most people wouldn't necessarily care a whole lot about, but God cared enough to send a son to die for our sins. And Luke is passionate to know that this is a gospel for the disenfranchised, the poverty, the broken, the hurt, Theophilus is one of those, a Gentile that was not part of the covenant community of God with the Hebrews here. So he, this is a fulfillment of Matthew, of Isaiah 9, 2. The people who walked in darkness will see a great light, and those who lived in a dark land, the light will shine on them. It, it, you even see this in the genealogies in Luke. Luke contains a genealogy, as does Matthew. Matthew, who is the, which is the most Jewish of the Gospels, starts with Abraham. You remember where Luke starts? Adam, the father of everybody. This is also the other thing about Luke, he's an evangelist. The uh, the offer of salvation is mentioned more in Luke than in the other other Gospels. The word saver, salvation, is not even used in Matthew or Mark. It's used only once in John, but it's used five times uh, 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 as well as to save. Uh, as any other gospel, and then of course it 's life changing and I just love this principle in verse chapter four that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. He, want, he wrote a credible account of the life of Jesus so that we could have confidence in the life of Jesus and how God applies that life to us. He had a similar passion to Peter in Second Peter one, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter would have given Luke some of the information that he has in here. And that idea of certainty, of course, is, uh, is he wants us to be able to put our faith, our very hope in the truth of the account of this gospel. It is infallible. The historian Otto Piper concludes, whenever modern scholarship has been able to check up on the accuracy of Luke's work, The judgment has been unanimous. He is one of the finest and ablest historians of the ancient world. To claim to be a Christian, you need to believe the Bible. But you can have confidence. That's not a blind faith in the Bible. You can have confidence in the account of the gospel of Luke. Partly because, as Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 21, men were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. One of the wonderful testimonies about the effect of the gospel of Luke on some comes to us from the account of the life of Sir William uh, Mitchell Ramsey, uh, who died in uh, 1939. He was a British archaeologist and a New Testament scholar. By 1939, he had become the foremost authority of the day in the, in, uh, in the history of Asia Minor. And he was a le- leading scholar and student of the uh, New Testament. Ramsay, however, though, was educated in the Thurbingen School of Thought, which doubted the reliability of the New Testament, uh, and, 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 uh, and his extensive archaeological historical studies convinced him of its historical accuracy. Ramsey's studies in Asia Minor led to accept the trustworthiness of Luke's account in the book of Acts. He wrote this, I may fairly claim to have entered on this investigation without any prejudice in favor of the conclusion which I now attempt to justify to the reader. On the contrary, I began with a mind unfavorable to it for ingenuity and apparent completeness of the Terubium theory, had at one time quite convinced me. In other words, he had been trained to not believe the Bible, but he has now become to where he believed in it. Uh, I, uh, it did not lie then in my line, uh, the line of my life to investigate the subject minutely, but more recently, I found myself often brought in contact with the book of Acts as an authority for the topography, antiquities, and social society of Asia Minor. I, I, Minor. I was gradually born, it was gradually born in upon me, in the various details the narrative showed this marvelous truth. At the time when Ramsay went to Asia Minor, many of the cities mentioned the book of Acts had no definite location, but later in life, he concluded, further studies showed me that the book, I'm talking about Luke, could bear the most minute scrutiny as an authority of the facts of the Aegean world and that it was written with such judgment, skill, art, and perception of truth as to be a model of historical statement. Ramsey added on page 89 of his same book, you may press the words of Luke to a degree beyond any other historians. In short, this author should be placed among the very great historians. Here's a historian devoted to the truthfulness of history that did not believe the gospel of Luke or the book of Acts, but began to use it in his research in cities of Asia Minor because, frankly, he couldn't find some of those cities, but he found that Luke had it dead right, that those locations were where he said, and that those cities did exist, and that the culture was exactly the way he said, and that the people that were in charge of those cultures were the same names that Luke used. And because of the historical accuracy, Ramsey got saved how much more will this wonderful gospel of luke mean to those of us who already know the lord may we fall more deeply in love with him as we go through this gospel for the next couple of years father we do turn to you and just thank you so much again for giving us your word and we thank you god for the for the hope that we find in the word but also for the conviction of our own sins and we thank you god that it does not return void so i pray lord god that we would be faithful to revere your word, and to teach it to others. In Christ's name, amen.